We're on a mission from God. Wendy? So I got that going. Darling? Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing blue. Light of my life. We enjoy your films. I am a human being. I thought they smelled bad. On the outside. Welcome to Vintage Video, where we're re-watching the 80s so you don't have to. We'll be reviewing every major film release of the 1980s in real time. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. I'm Jesse Bayless. And I'm Richard Wells. And today marks the 40th anniversary of the release of Galaxina on June 6, 1980. It was written and directed by William Sachs and released by Crown International Pictures, who previously released Don't Answer the Phone, and we'll still have The Hearse and Kidnapping of the President in this year, 1980. And they're also next door to you. Yeah. Um, this is the first time I actually recognized one of the producer names oh, of someone I see regularly. <laughs> uh, this film also features footage from another Crown International release, the 1960 Eastern Bloc sci-fi film, First Spaceship on Venus. So I was looking up that movie because I was like, what, is this an actual movie? And it was an actual movie, but then there is an executive producer on this movie was uh, newton jacobs and he was part of uh first spaceship on venus he translated it to english i guess and therefore he was like cool let's put this in my other movie yeah and crown international released it here so they had the rights to it already so it was it was clear to go production for this film was scheduled to take place over 20 days but due to bad weather they lost several days and instead of rescheduling they simply cut scenes director william sachs blames <laughs> <laughs> Good choice, guys. It's a bummer. <laughs> the, the director blames obvious pacing problems on the lack of material to edit with. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I kept noticing repeatedly. Yeah. They used the same shots over and over and over again. They kept doing these, uh, the same exterior shots of the, of the ship, ship going by, yeah. and the same interior like hallway shots of the ship, just to like fill time. Yeah. I, lo- um. I love that the director and the writer complained about the lack of material. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you, you wrote this. Yeah. This is your fault. <laughs> um, the title character of Galaxina was played by actress Dorothy Stratton. She was the Playboy Playmate of the Year in 1980. And uh, during the production, her marriage to Paul Snyder was falling apart. He bothered her repeatedly on set. They shot largely in the Los Angeles area, on sound stages mostly. Hugh Hefner was reportedly disturbed by her husband and recommended she sever ties with him, calling him a hustler and a pimp. Wait, so who's Paul Schneider? Because I keep thinking of Paul Schaefer, and that's totally a different guy. Well, Paul Schneider is the guy who was on the first season of Parks and Rec and then left. He was He's in a bunch of the... Uh, trying to picture him. I can't picture him. It's, it's, he's not the person that I'm talking about. And Paul Schaefer... Paul Schaefer is the bald guy that plays music on Letterman, or used to. Yeah. Schneider. Okay. A soft S. I don't know what you call that kind of S. Paul Schneider. Soft S? What do you call it? Versus a shush sound. A, s- a snake S. Paul Snyder. Her marriage to Paul Snyder was falling apart. But who's Paul Snyder? Her husband. Her husband. But he's not famous in any no. other capacity. No, he's famous okay. for being her he's husband. He's famous for what I'm about to describe. Okay, fine. Go. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Snyder <laughs> grew enraged when he learned of a budding relationship with Peter Bogdanovich, director oh. of her next film and her last feature film performance, 
1981's They All Laughed. Uh, it would be her debut performance for a major studio. It was her debut performance for a major studio. They separated briefly, and Snyder hired a private investigator to track Stratton, learning that she had moved in with Bogdanovich in his Bel Air apartment. He got a gun, and he waited outside the apartment with a handgun for several hours, intending to shoot whoever he saw first, but apparently grew impatient and went home. Stratton was invited by Snyder to his home to fill out paperwork to finalize their divorce, and she was advised by her business manager that she could send an attorney in her place to avoid any confrontation, but she wanted to just end things herself. She wanted it to be an amicable separation. But when she arrived, uh, he pulled her into the apartment, tied her to a chair, and shot her with a shotgun that he'd bought in a classified ad, and then shot himself. Her final performance in Bogdanovich's They All Laughed released the following year, just four weeks after the broadcast of Death of a Centerfold, The Dorothy Stratton Story, a TV movie about her murder, starring Jamie Lee Curtis as Stratton. Her tombstone has a quote from Ernest Hemingway's A Farewell to Arms that was chosen specifically by Bogdanovich, and in Bob Fosse's 1983 biopic on her life, Star 80, she was portrayed by Hemingway's granddaughter Mariel. Eight years after Dorothy's death, Bogdanovich married her younger sister, Louise Stratton, after paying her way through private school and modeling classes. Wait. Yes. Really? Yeah. Oh. They were married for 13 years, though, so it well, seems like a legitimate relationship. And eight yeah. years is enough time to, like, you spend time with these people. I guess. I'm not going to judge. It's if like, it was, like, the next day, I would be like, that's odd. It still feels weird. Either way. Uh, the laser sound effects in this film were borrowed from 1978's Battlestar Galactica series, and the door sounds all come from the Star Trek original series. We also have the Batmobile making a cameo for some reason. Yeah, oh my god, I thought that was the Batmobile. I wrote that in my notes. It's 100% the Batmobile. Okay. <laughs> so the two Adam West references in a row here. The year is 3008. Space travel is now routine as new galaxies were explored and more. It seems like we're changing tense here. Mm -hmm. um, space travel is now routine as new galaxies were explored and more civilizations discovered the traffic in space increased the united galactic federation was called upon to create a police force and soon a fleet of ships was patrolling the far reaches of the known star systems this is the story of one of those ships missing a comma here police cruiser 308 the infinity it is also the story of the ship's crew and of the ship's robot she was no ordinary robot for in the 31st century Man finally created a machine with feelings, and her name is Supernova Explosion in Space, Galaxina. And <laughs> that word like flies into the shot. Yeah, very so cool effect. We were all the way through this, you know, words flying in all of Star Wars and yeah. the title of the film, and I, ha I had I didn't know anything about this movie going into it, so I had no idea that it was supposed to be like a parody movie. Yeah, and I don't mm -hmm. think I've ever gone into a parody movie not knowing it was a parody movie yeah. so i'm sitting here thinking i can't believe they did that i can't believe they did that <laughs> they're just like ripping all this stuff off and i can't believe they did that and also what a weird premise for a movie yeah <laughs> a police cruiser and traffic problems well it's, if it wasn't a parody it would be star crash which is like another movie that was exactly like star wars i think it had like david hasselhoff and mm. uh and it used like literally sound effects from Star Wars and lightsabers and these same kind of opening titles and just all this nonsense. But this one, they can go even further with it to the point that I think the font color and maybe even the font is the same for the opening, like the blue letters on black yeah, it, space. It's they made a lot of choices <laughs> for this film. <laughs> That's the yep. kindest way you could have said that. 
uh, um, but I wanted to ask a question. Yes. Um, are you saying, or are we saying, is it is it Galaxina or Galaxina? I'm saying Ina. Okay. That's how that's how I was saying. Okay, it. Galaxina, like Galaxy, then Na, and then Tina. Yeah, <laughs> Galaxina. I feel like that's how he says it in the film. I don't know. With a soft S. Or with a- <laughs> <laughs> it's a soft Z. We get a miniature soft Z. <laughs> a soft Z. Now, I was telling Jess when we were watching this that I, I've I decided watching this how I want my space movie to start, and it's like extreme close-ups on a bad miniature floating through space, and then we zoom out to reveal that it's actually a miniature in the spaceship, and we're we're just seeing it against the backdrop of a window on the ship. Mm. He's like, "What do you think of this miniature?" And he's like. That's incredible. It looks exactly like the ship. And then you cut outside and it's the same miniature being used <laughs> as the ship. But we see a miniature of a bronze ship floating through space with police written on the sides of it. Uh, the traffic doesn't seem so bad. I think there's only two ships in this whole movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Captain Cornelius Butt, Corny Butt, <laughs> is uh, filing an exasperated captain's log. He's like, Captain Cornelius Butt, entry number 1736. Oh, we are now on the last leg of our seven-year mission. <laughs> like, he's just bored. They're wrapping up a seven-year mission. Galaxina, a Class 11 robot, is on the bridge, and the crew is resting. They get 72 hours off at the end of their mission. The Infinity is docked to a small asteroid with a tiny Earth Cola billboard on one side. I guess it's prohibitively expensive to make it much bigger than that. Uh, we see the ship's interior halls, machines galaxina in her chair the halls again machines again outside the ship the machines again (laughs) uh and these these machines say like osea or something on the side and i looked it up and they're just welding machines like that's the (laughs) brand name is still written on the machine in this movie yeah i don't think they put that much yeah but it's called greeking you're supposed to cover that stuff up just spray paint it it takes five seconds (laughs) um i don't think the welding company is going to sue them for using their machines i also don't think that whoever's machines these these actually were would want them to be (laughs) painted on um sergeant thor is working out while smoking a cigar and counting poorly 47 58 54 buzz is watching a literal space opera and galaxina is spinning on a glowing throne so this counting poorly while exercising thing like it happens repeatedly in the film i don't get the joke i think the joke is that um in the future we don't need to be know how to count because computers do everything for us like but he's trying to keep track of his exercises but the numbers aren't in order i don't understand it numbers but they're not in any kind of numerical order we cut from mountain men's heavy eagle (laughs) mountain men uh the recent film uh, the actor who played heavy eagle in mountain men is playing no, i thought it was medicine, medicine ball is it medicine no was it heavy no eagle? It, yeah it, it was, was heavy, heavy eagle. Eagle. Oh, okay yeah yeah uh, we cut from this heavy eagle to a heavy eagle in space <laughs> a, a large bird-shaped ship that screeches through space despite soon to be established rules of space um puzz begins a pursuit because i guess the ship is speeding i'm not sure or, or excessive use of screech he asks if he can turn on the lights and the siren and uh sergeant thor reminds him that in space nobody can hear your siren clear reference to the the alien tagline in space nobody can hear you scream but why do they have a siren at all if it doesn't work in space how often is the ship not in space well it's not in space for a good portion of this movie 
when it's disabled. You're not going <laughs> to chase people with your siren on. Well, I feel like this in this movie, we do a lot of things that don't make any sense, like making sexy lady robots that no, you're no, no, not no. allowed to touch because they'll shock you. That is honestly, what is the point of a lady robot if you can't have sex with it? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess it's every guy's dream to have a sexy lady robot that can't talk and serves you. But can't you can't even I touch I, it. I I object to this. <laughs> she can talk. <laughs> well, she no, can't she, yet. She can't right now. No, no, no. My the the fantasy sex robot that serves me. Oh, you will, want will be you allowed want her to, to talk. talk. Okay. Oh. Got it. See, I'm I'm looking for the aerial <laughs> model, the one that lost her voice to a sea witch. That's what I want. <laughs> And my space robot lady, they they send a communication to the ship, and a hologram of Ordric appears, obnoxiously echoing to the point that I can barely understand him or her. I, I am Ordric from the planet of Mordric, Mordric in the galaxy of Tarquin. I am on a, I am on a peaceful mission. But through context and later in the movie, I understand that this is Ordric from Mordric, which I think is a lame joke on Mork from Ork, um, <laughs> which started a couple years before this film. Uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, sci-fi references backward and forward somehow. Yeah, um, but we'll get to that later. But yeah, so this is an, this is the I think the third or fourth reference backward. Uh, so we've covered Mork from Ork, Star Trek, Star Wars, and Aliens. Aliens. Thank you. Ordric is headed to Altair One but will not disclose the nature of his mission. Thor advises against starting a war with these people in favor of just contacting the captain. So they're not going to pursue. They're going to let this guy go wherever he's going, and they're going to talk to the captain about it. I do like that his name is Thor and his ship is called the Infinity. Yeah, that's cool. The 2001 theme plays as Captain Butt slowly glides down the corridor. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever not laugh at Captain Butt, no. though. <laughs> That's why I love it, because it's like, it's such a dumb joke that it turns it around and is funny yeah. again. Because it's such an obvious, like, I just love it. It's great. Um, but yeah, he's sliding down the corridor on this, like, m- moving platform. But he refuses to, like, it's moving at walking speed or yeah. maybe slower. Um, well, they repeatedly use it to traverse this corridor. Yeah, but we get our fifth backward sci-fi reference with the 2001 theme here. And he's composing another captain's log, like, telepathically as he approaches camera. Yeah. We hear it being logged, but his mouth isn't moving. He's just standing there looking bored. He says that he hopes something exciting is happening. <laughs> when he goes to step off the platform, he's thrown off momentarily because it's still moving and he thought it stopped so he's like almost falls over as he's getting off of it but uh but dials mordic back he butt dials mordric and uh he says i'm not going to engage in a battle of wits with you i never attack anyone who's unarmed which i i feel like they on purpose give this guy really dumb like bravado captain lines yeah and but all of them are supposed to fall flat and they so they all do and it's really funny every time i really love this character buzz asks if he should follow the ship as it leaves and the captain says you know kid you got a bad habit you breathe and nobody laughs at the joke and the kid just like buzz kind of like slowly turns around back to his post and uh when no one's looking he kind of laughs to himself about like how great the joke was even though like he wrote it in his head earlier he coaches Buzz through a laser attack on this ship. So he advises him to fire on them and then keeps saying like, up, down, no, now, you got to shoot now. And he keeps missing every single shot. And uh, he, Butt is getting very frustrated. He keeps checking in with the force field meter, 
which is like this very poorly drawn meter that's dipping into the yellow here getting closer right, to the but red he says it's okay like he's like how's that meter look and it's like almost <laughs> to the e and he's like it's fine it's looking good we're doing great I, I almost wonder if that's like a joke of like when you just don't when you need to get gas and it's just like it's getting close to the leaves like i know my car we're still good. like yeah, I, we're, we're still fine. we're still fine yeah uh, the eagle ship hits them with some lasers and then fire and then lightning the power goes out we go into red alert mode this is another star trek pull the sound effect of us in red alert um the guys are arguing with each other and uh, galaxy and taps some buttons in the palm of her hand to get like reserve power back online thor tells buzz to go below decks and check on the repair progress with these two mechanics that work under the ship but brings a big plate of rocks to the rock eater that they have in their their jail on the ship. I don't think they thought through the design of this character very well. He's Which got, one? The rock eater? The rock eater. I love the rock eater. But he's got very pointy teeth. Those are clearly mm. not the teeth of somebody who eats rocks. That is, Those, those are meat teeth. What does the rock eater look like in NeverEnding Story? Does... Well, he certainly doesn't have pointy teeth. Okay. He's got flat teeth. you got to crush the rocks. I guess, yeah. And he is a rock eater. He just eats rocks. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I thought it was cute, though. Like the, the I, I like the design of him. Teeth mistakes aside. You gotta think about anatomy when you're designing characters, guys. I'm sorry. I did such a terrible job. <laughs> this was me. I was gonna try and hide it this whole time I designed this character three years before I was born. Uh, he tortures the alien with bad jokes and then rocks. Um, he just pelts him with the rocks that he wants to eat. Uh, below decks, Sam Woe an older Asian man is toking up while Maurice, a bat Vulcan, complains about having to fix the ship. Um, he's got long ears and leathery bat wings. Uh, Sam is reciting a bunch of nonsensical proverbs. Actually, they, they start out kind of making sense, and then they make less and less sense as we go. He who promises too much too soon accomplishes too little too late. Maurice says that he will have this kettle perking by tomorrow afternoon. And Buzz offers to send down their dinner so they can keep working on repairs. Oh, what's the matter? We not good enough for you, space hockey? <laughs> <laughs> As he's walking back to the bridge and he just laughs at it. Like, I, I like that it feels like these are genuine, like, co-workers and they have, like, all of them, like, laugh at each other's jokes for the most part. They're, they all get along pretty well. But Buzz and Thor sit down to a meal at a table crowded with candelabras there's like <laughs> there's, so there's like two candelabras per person <laughs> and each candelabra has five candles on it so a lot of lot of light here but tells a bad joke or he starts to he's like a guy walked into a restaurant did i already tell you this and they're all like yes or actually he, he doesn't even get that far mm. he says like did i tell you this joke already a guy and they're like yes yeah you said this one he's <laughs> like a guy walks into a restaurant and he keeps trying to tell the rest of the joke <laughs> But the punchline is so bad that it's hilarious. And the waiter said, uh, do you want to eat it here or take it with you? And the man said, both. <laughs> He's expecting a huge reaction to this joke that doesn't even logically make any kind of sense. And they're both like, oh my gosh, that was such a great joke. Anyway, let's eat. Galaxina brings a platter with three pills on it, but, <laughs> but listens to each pill being shook so he like it's like clanging even though it's like this tiny little gel cap um and he settles on the one that jingles like a bell i'll take this one and then he calls for a wine and uh 
Galaxina gives the other two pills to the other guys and brings in a 2001 Venusian Thunder Ripple, which almost sounds like um a wonka or like an ice cream or something <laughs> yeah there is a ripple somewhere in in the wonka movie right and two percent butterscotch ripple that's 105 percent. it's a it's a wine and apparently as of today it's been it's been uh, bottled for 19 years already he but chokes on the wine until thor he butt chokes you <laughs> <laughs> butt chug <laughs> he butt chugs on the wine no <laughs> captain butt chokes on the wine until Thor gives him a good smack on the back, which uh, does that work for liquid? I don't know. I feel like that's something you do when someone's choking on solid matter, not when they're when they dumped a bunch of wine into their lungs. <laughs> but either way, the smack on the back fixes it. And uh, as Galaxina is pouring Thor's wine, he stares at her breasts. Not they're not visible or anything. He's just staring at her cleavage, very very focused. And he goes to swat her ass as she walks around the table, and his hand is zapped. <laughs> like he just hit a taser. Buzz pulls out an egg, and the captain says, Is that an authorized egg? <laughs> <laughs> he says he found it in the rock eater cell. And uh, Captain Butt takes it and just breaks it open, pours it into a glass, and eats is it. Is this supposed to be the offspring of this rock eater? I don't know. They They... Are, I think make the comment that he probably stole it from somewhere and uh but they're all telling him like no don't eat that that's wow that's weird yeah don't, that's really gross looking can you not eat that and uh, he says you don't even know where that came from and the captain says nonsense if people concern themselves with where eggs came from they never would have eaten them <laughs> <laughs> which I love that like suggestion like there's a couple of guys sitting near a chicken he's like oh man that big white rock just came out of that chicken's vagina let's go eat it <laughs> yeah how did that conversation go i feel like they must have just found them first and then after a while they were like oh my god they're coming out of the chickens but yeah uh (laughs) very very quickly after eating this egg uh captain butt has a seizure and the guys decide they're going to solve the seizure by punching him in the face back and forth um, until an alien explodes from his mouth and then runs away and disappears captain butt yells at them for beating him up so badly even though they may very well have saved this man's life uh but probably not and then galaxina zaps the captain unconscious and he thanks her as he's passing out galaxina brings some food below deck sam accidentally spills his wine on the pill she set on the table and it turns into a full cooked chicken presumably with a skeleton and everything yeah which they were like they would put the pill in their mouth and then wash it down with the wine like you're in danger of choking yourself to death if this turns right. into a chicken halfway down or your just throat. explodes in your stomach <laughs> when yeah. but also like your stomach can't process a full chicken skeleton you're just gonna die with that in your <laughs> don't, don't knock until you try it you're just mean. gonna die <laughs> you're just gonna die that's all thor kisses galaxina in her quarters knowing that he'll get zapped because he's infatuated with her when he does get zapped he tells her that it was totally worth it thor and buzz call up alexia who has a message from the commander but first flashes them because she knows that they are boob starved um it seems like she can feel them touching her breasts through the hologram though i'm not clear if that's how this technology works uh commander garrity shows up (laughs) The, the captain is is uh taking his orders from garrity who he keeps accidentally calling him gravity and he says 
My name is Garrity. And he says, Oh, let's not quibble. It must be enough that I respect and admire you. (laughs) (laughs) Every line this guy says, I love him. They're being sent 27 years away to Altair 1 in search of the blue star. The guys all head to Kitty's whorehouse in space before the mission. Well, and I mean, obviously I'm nitpicking the plot here, but they said that it's 27 years away and they were the closest. Right. So that's why they're being sent. But they don't have a hyperdrive. Right. So wouldn't any other ship with a hyperdrive? He said, this, if you had a hyperdrive, the, sh- the trip would be really quick. It's like, well, why would why they, didn't send they send the ship, ship with a hyperdrive? <laughs> I think, honestly, they just sent all the ships. I, I think and they told all of them they were the only ship. You don't think it was just to get them away? Oh, like, maybe. Just to get them out of the circulation so for that 50 like years. This is the invader Zim tactic. Like, ah, just send him to Earth. We'll get rid of him. Get him out of yeah. the way. <laughs> so you're saying it's a MacGuffin? It doesn't actually have powers? Yeah, we'll, well, we'll see because... <laughs> yeah, or will we? <laughs> um, in preparation for this 27-year away mission, I guess 54-year away mission. Cause yeah, total. They have to do a round trip. Uh, they decide to stop by Kitty's whorehouse. And uh, they're all like wandering in. It sounds like they're saying porno patrol. I can't hear what they're singing as they march into this place. (laughs) Captain Butt flirts with Kitty, who seems to be like the madam of the place. She looks kind of like old Greg (laughs) or like the girl gremlins grandmother. Uh, this is the the same actor herb kaplowitz who has already played the opera singer and rock eater we see a girl who has boobs on her back a piano with hands maurice flirts with another bat vulcan character and blue girl splits a joint of plutonium gold with buzz blue girl being uh susie from our previous film the happy hooker goes to hollywood and uh, galaxina is watching the entire scene on a monitor from the ship how is that happening she's just like i'm just gonna have this you know closed circuit you know camera set up i don't know where maybe she planted a camera on one of the guys before they went out there um sam is groping at a three-boobed lady and this is before total recall so yeah um so that's a that's a future sci-fi reference it's not a future sci-fi reference it's just apparently what a lot uh, of dude fantasizes about having a chick with three boobs what space movie before this had a three-boobed alien in it I'm just saying, I don't think it's unique to this movie. I think guys are just creepy. I'm saying these this movie invented it, and they deserve credit where credit is due. Yeah, I, uh, there's a line in Explorers, which is in 85. They they talk about the alien that's in the B-movie that the drive-in. And it's like, do they take, does she take her top off? It's like, yeah, but she has three navels. And I think that that was probably a dubbed line. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like... You could already see that you could already see that her belly is exposed. You would yeah. be able to see if she had three navels, unless her boobs are actually yeah. additional navels. <laughs> <laughs> There's just three navels on each boob. The girls at the whorehouse are all crying as the guys are leaving because they're so upset that they're never going to see them again because it's going to be 54 years before they come back. In the ship, as Galaxina sees this raw emotion from all these girls, she starts to cry herself because she doesn't have emotion and she's sad about it. Oh, but she does have emotion then. I don't know. Well, they told us in our At opening the scrawl yeah. that she has emotions, even so, though she has not expressed them up into this point. Yes. In a parting captain's log, but laments that their ship does not have a hyperdrive. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> he also says, Hyperdrive is neat. See all those colors and lines? Woo! 
All the new ships have hyperdrive. With hyperdrive, we'd make the trip pretty quick. <laughs> it's all part <laughs> of this. Love that line. It's so all great. part of the captain's log. Um, he's great. And uh, the crew enters cryo sleep, never having found the creature that spewed forth from Butt's mouth. <laughs> came yeah, from and butt. This, this is where I have the same note you said. Why would why would the commander send the ship with no hyperdrive? <laughs> uh, as they're all frozen in their pods, the monster puppet comes to stare at all of them in their cryo chambers, and lullaby music plays. Yeah, Brahms lullaby. Yeah, he wanders up to Captain Butt's pod and pushes a bunch of buttons that cause this off-gassing at the back of his pod. This whole ship's a bunch of buttons. I was sure that when we woke up in the future that there was just going to be a skeleton (laughs) in Captain Butt's pod. But apparently all it did was unfreeze him and let him age the full 27 years, Mm -hmm. but survive inexplicably. Like, he didn't need food or oxygen. Um, I guess maybe if it's open to the ship, he has oxygen. But That, that, That scene in Planet of the Apes still freaks me out yeah when when they when they crash and they're all coming out of their chambers and they go to look at the one person who hasn't gotten out of their chamber yet but at the when they show like the like the decomposed body at the same time you're hearing like the glass screeching and breaking as waters come start to break through the the whole of the ship but it's just that that fast zoom in on the body and the screeching of the glass it, it's just like it's in my freaking body and and that's what i was expecting to see and not that i would be freaked out by it in this movie just wanted to tell that story yeah galaxina leans on sergeant thor's cryo chamber and uh she wipes a clear circle making his face visible from our perspective (laughs) not from hers um she's looking at it from the side and just wiping a circle that she can't even see through she goes back to her little tv in her in her chambers and watches my favorite commercial ever um a little girl is asking like whistler's mother like a painting of whistler's mother to open a jar of pickles and the grandmother holds up her hands and says what more can i say and she's got monster hands (laughs) they're just like bloody scarred monster hands and they're like twice as big as normal human hands and then a uh, spokesperson for Johnson Brand comes on and says uh, that she should try magnesium claws, atomic powered magnesium claws. Now, grandma whips out these massive fucking claws and shatters the pickle jar with ease. <laughs> She's like, Grandma, can you open this jar? And she's like, sure. It just shatters the, the whole gore, thing. The girl is just horrified. Yeah, she's like, oh, grandma. <laughs> and she's she starts to cry and run away. But this, I think, is another forward reference to sci-fi do you agree i'm not sure do you think it's an snl reference no. to the robots that eat our medicine no, i think it's i think it's a reference to the orville i think the orville is referencing this movie grandma can you open this jar of pickles for me oh do you think the orville is referencing oh. galaxina because i bet they watched a bunch of old sci-fi to prepare for it i'm sure they did because it's a recurring joke that anytime he can't get a door open or do anything, he turns to like their bodyguard character on the show and asks her to do everything for him. Like, can you loosen this jar yeah, of pickles she, for me? Because she's super strong. Alara, you want to open this jar of pickles for me? He's like, I loosened it for you. But yeah, I'm pretty sure that that was a reference to this particular commercial, which is my favorite and I love it. Galaxina goes to wake up the crew. 
as they're getting out of their pods. Buzz says, what year is it? And then Thor says, 3,035. I got 3,033. This thing's slow. (laughs) (laughs) Captain Butt has a long beard and collapses from muscle atrophy and probably starvation. And he collapses into this like foggy floor where they can't even see where he went. For a second, it's played like it's a serious emergency that they can't see him. But uh, then he starts making jokes from the fog. And it seems like he's okay. He's just even weirder than he was when he went in. Now he doesn't make any sense. He's very senile. Sergeant Thor works out again, counting wrong again. 104. 99. 100. And is suddenly startled by Galaxina. She reveals that she can talk now. She taught herself how to talk while they were in stasis. And she has reprogrammed her shocking mechanism so that she can be touched. She tells Sergeant Thor that she loves him. And they kiss. And he isn't electrocuted. And here we hear uh, Tchaikovsky's Romeo and Juliet fantasy overture. Sergeant Thor wonders aloud if she has genitalia. And from outside the ship confirms that she does not. Whoever built her sure forgot something. I really like his line, though, when he when he first like discovers that he could touch her and he kisses her and he's like, you're not cold anymore. <laughs> Was, is that I'm what he like, thought it was when he was getting electrocuted? I, I guess. But I'm just like, how you weren't able to touch her before. Yeah. What do you mean? She's not cold anymore. <laughs> um, the bird ship screeches impossibly back into the story. Um, oh, we wait. have. Sorry. The other the other thing that I think is really funny about this whole scene of them getting back together is like she waited 27 years to to like be with him again. Like she obsessed with, about him for 27 years and she reprogrammed herself and she she goes in there to confront him. And, you know, they have their moment together where they kiss. And then she's like, all right, I'll see you later. And she just leaves. <laughs> like, wait, that was it. I just wait, wanted what? that one kiss. Hold on. This is 27 years. You waited for this moment and you just kissed him and left. She's a robot. She doesn't build it up like that. Yeah. She's not crazy. Mission complete. But like, what was her goal? <laughs> her goal was a kiss and she got it. She was happy that she had reprogrammed her shock defense. The The captain of the, of the bird ship, Ordric, uh, is standing at the window and we see his like cape and hooded helmet from behind i think it's clearly evoking a uh, darth vader type character and he's just saying i'll get you now to the window right so does that mean that he's just been slowly chasing them for 27 years i don't know <laughs> he might have been in stasis too and just woke up or did you just find them again like i don't understand where what has been happening over the last 27 years and why is he upset and following them i'm not sure but he fires on the infinity again here which then has to make a very quick emergency landing on altair one where they were going anyway Everyone in the ship suffers whiplash in the crash landing. And uh, Sam and Maurice think that they're going to make a bunch of money off of this whiplash. Like they're going to sue Ordric for his like mm-hmm. ship insurance or something. So they're wearing like neck braces for the rest of the movie. Galaxina is sent into town to find Frank Future. Everything is colored weird when we're outside because of, a, quote, an excessive amount of infrared rays. But... Okay, so this is really weird. And I feel like they had to make this excuse because when they tell her to go get this, they're like, oh, by the way, when you're outside, everything looks weird because of these, you know, the weird lighting and the weird rays. And the 
blue star will look red when it's outside and at night it'll look just normal like blue and I feel like they just didn't have good color timing options to make sure that this thing maintained blue like when they made the other colors look funky on this planet I hadn't considered the possibility that that wasn't necessarily 100% by design I thought it was more like hey let's do a cool effect to make it look like another planet and they're like well are people gonna know we did this on purpose or are they just going to think that we're incompetent filmmakers? And he's like, well, let's say something about how there's infrared mm-hmm. rays that are making the planet look different. But I feel like it was to account for the fact that they had to treat the film all alike. And they're like, yeah. wait, we made we made a point that this is a blue star. And like the first time we're seeing it outside, it's red. Yeah. It's weird. We have to say something <laughs> about this. <laughs> well, either way, um, she moves into this uh, like Wild West style town because this was originally a penal colony. We're pretty sure this is Paramount Ranch. Yeah, it's got to be. It, it looks uh, like Paramount Ranch for sure. Although it's it's changed shape a lot over the years. It, like when it burnt down last year? Yeah, it <laughs> completely burned down. So everything except for the that church from uh, the Westworld HBO series was left up. But um, but yeah, even before that, like in the 90s, the uh, Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman movies shot there. And uh, like the TV movies and they tore down all the buildings and completely rebuilt it. So it's changed a lot. But I, I do agree that it's probably it's probably that location. But as a result of the effect on the film here, I think Galaxina looks a lot like Lilu from Fifth Element here. Oh. She has an orange. Her, her hair is orange. It looks like it's cut the exact same way. She's wearing all white with like a crop top. And she has like this black thing strapped to her right leg. Just some similarities there, sure. I wouldn't be surprised if it was at least part of the inspiration when they were going through like sci-fi characters sure. to decide what she was going to look like for this. But uh, she moves into, <laughs> she goes past the the Batmobile, and she moves into this Western version of the Mos Eisley Cantina, basically. Well, I was going to say, um, is there like a or was there a more Wild West kind of town in Griffith Park? Possibly, because the that t- the bat cave is in Griffith Park and that's, that's true they, but they don't, don't actually the park there. that there no but but if, if but they also don't keep it out in the middle of the desert so if they but if they were shooting in Griffith Park when they were trying to sh- shoot some pickup shots of the Batmobile leaving the cave I'll just but this just was this was this was long after the Adam West series had ended but what about though? the movie the movie was in 66 oh really was it yeah. that old I am I'm almost certain, too, that this location is Paramount Ranch because not only do the buildings look very much like the Paramount street Ranch, layout is the same. But the, the, yeah, the layout of the streets and then the like the like the background when you see the hills and stuff like that, yeah. it looks like it I, looks I, like Agora. I, it doesn't look like Griffith Park. I, it's just trying to figure out why the Batmobile would be there. Like, why would I they think drive it was there it? because they were like all the way out there. It's not all the way. You don't know where they keep it. Like <laughs> when I worked at. <laughs> You're 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 pre- you're literally pretending in your brain that it's parked in the Bat Cave all the time. No, no, and they that, just drove it out because no, they that, didn't. That it's parked in Griffith Park as the Batman was but often not, filmed. It's filmed never, in Griffith it's Park. It's never been parked in Griffith Park in 1980. No, perhaps it no, was. It wasn't. <laughs> I when I worked at Keep Me Posted, we were next door to Bob's Big Boy in Toluca Lake, and the Batmobile is there like every first Friday or last Friday of the month whenever they do the big car show. It's like the Hollywood Nights stuff. They, they mm. bring out all the fancy cars to the last Friday of every of every month. And the Batmobile is almost always there. So someone nearby owns it, and it would take 
30 minutes to drive it to Paramount Ranch. So I'm pretty sure they were just like, let's bring out some other movie props to make this slightly more interesting. Also, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say there's probably more than one of those. But this is the one that they used for the series. Okay. Because I'm pretty sure I just saw... I think I saw a Batmobile at the Hollywood uh, Museum. You know, the one that's right next to the Ripley's. Oh, could be. I think that they had a Batmobile in there. I wouldn't be surprised. But either way, she heads into this cantina and it's full of crazy cannibalistic aliens. There's just human parts strewn about all over the place. Heads and legs and arms. There's human heads mounted on the walls like hunting trophies. It's really funny when she walks in, there's a sign that... Like, because on the outside, there's a sign that says human restaurant. Right. So, of course, you think, oh, okay, restaurant for humans. To serve man. Right. But, of course, the you know, the joke is, like, no, we don't serve humans here. We serve, serve humans, humans here. Yeah. Uh, but the sign, when she walks in, says aliens only. But I think that's a really weird sign to have on a planet that's not Earth. Because yeah, only the people on that planet can't go to that restaurant. Right. Aren't humans also <laughs> aliens on this planet? Yeah. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> um <laughs> that's a good point uh the the menus on the wall are all cannibal jokes i just wrote down a few here skin and tonic fruit of the womb <laughs> <laughs> french fried lady fingers oh i liked uh i wrote down a couple too because i liked them a lot baked alaskan <laughs> yeah an eskimo pie eskimo pie yeah. N- knuckle sandwich <laughs> yeah we see a face hugger crawling up to the bar like it's gonna order a drink it's just like sliding along the floor galaxina asks the bartender about frank future and i feel like it's worth pointing out if the commander told you to meet with frank future it's been 27 years since he told you that yeah so this guy's probably dead by now or at least much older than he was when you guys left but uh, the bartender says that he is mr spot and he's basically wearing spock's uniform and he looks exactly like Mr. Spock, but he's wearing Ferengi ears instead of Vulcan ears. And he says, Oh yes, I remember him. Oh, you do? Yes, he was delicious. <laughs> and Galaxina's like, wait, what? And he's like, yeah, um, I think I think we roasted him or maybe we sauteed him. Like he's Poached like, him, yeah. I can't remember what we did. And uh, Galaxina says she's just disgusted by all these aliens now that she's she's overcome with emotion all of a sudden. And she asks if she can go upstairs to check Future's room. Which apparently has sat, again, untouched for 27 years. Yeah, for however long he's been gone. (laughs) We haven't rented it out again. (laughs) Yeah. We wanted to keep it the way he left it to remember him by after we murdered and ate him. But when she goes into the room, she starts to walk in and Ordric from Mordric is hiding behind the door. She tells him to take off his mask and he reveals that that's actually his face. (laughs) Is he a robot? Yeah, Uh, yeah. I think so. So this is two robots facing off. Uh, they talk about the blue star, which is sitting here on the table. Um, <laughs> and uh, they're hearing the singing now. And he's very confused and like looking around <laughs> like even he is trying to find the source of it. Like, oh, what is this shit? He says. <laughs> <laughs> With the help of the blue star, he lets her know that he will be controlling the universe. But she picks it up and is somehow able to hypnotize him. I don't know if this is part of the power of the star. She, she's like walking in a circle around the bed and it yeah, makes him dizzy. Like, You're getting dizzy and she's just kind of swaying back and forth yeah. a little. And he's like, stop turning around. <laughs> <laughs> and then he falls over and she bashes his head in and he explodes. But then as she's leaving the bar downstairs, Ordric jumps out of the second story window and lands blocking her path in the road. 
and they have this old-fashioned shootout with laser guns, complete with like an Ennio Morricone score and tight inserts of people's eyes and mouths and tumbleweed and um, civilians hiding from mm-hmm. lasers, fingers I, tapping. I like when all the the other aliens are like around the town, you know, yeah, doing that thing like, you know, we're close up on their fingers tapping. Out comes what clearly is a small dog in a really funny costume. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like a They just draped a costume over it. <laughs> I love this dog costume. It makes me so happy. Yeah. Um, so they have their shootout and she wins. Um, but she is very quickly a, a team of people on horseback right up to her. A biker gang on horseback. Yes. <laughs> but right right here we're just seeing the horses. But they're all dressed like a biker gang on horses. Um, back on the ship, the team debates whether they should send a, a party to help because they don't know what's going on. They don't have any communication with her, I guess. Um, Thor says he wants to help. And Captain Butt is just naming pizza toppings because <laughs> he wants them to get him a pizza while they're out. I'm going to go find her. Extra cheese. Anybody coming with me? Italian sausage. Um, so this whole scene he's just shouting the different things that he wants or doesn't want on his pizza buzz decides he's going to go with them even though sam and maurice are like you guys are crazy stay here imagination given to young man to compensate him for what he's not sam will you shut the fuck up galaxina has been strapped to like some kind of a tower yeah um at like it's just some kind of i uh, it's like guess, a satellite thing. Yeah, is? I imagine it's one of like some kind of big rebroadcasting dish that's yeah, like somewhere thinking, out in the mountains. Some kind of repeater or something. She's been taken hostage by this motorcycle gang who they all have horses. They have one motorcycle. The um, establishing shot for this scene though is excessively long reuse footage again so they're all just dancing. Yeah. And you know, the, so it's a biker gang of people dancing and they just keep going to the same shots like over and over and over and yeah. over again. And it seriously goes on for like five minutes of just bikers dancing. Yeah. It was nice for me when I was taking my notes past of this. I was like, oh, I can look away for a minute um, because nothing's happening here. But uh, they worship Harley Davidson, which I don't know if this is one of those situations. You know, it's like a V'ger where we just Mm -hmm. read the words off of the artifact we have and assumed that's the god. Um, well, they're, am, the, they're the descendants of the first people that were sent here yeah, from Yeah, a motorcycle Earth gang that of was Of a motorcycle sent, gang, yeah. yeah. And they still have one working motorcycle, I guess. I guess. In the IMDb trivia, they try and make it sound like much more thought out than I think it was because they say, oh, they don't say Harley Davidson. They say Ali David Son, which is a reference to Islam, Judaism, and Christianity. And it's a melding no. of these three. And it's like, no, they're literally just saying Harley Davidson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the bikers dance around for a while. They have the blue star now because they took her, and uh, they're also confused by the noises that are playing. But because now, now they're more doo-woppy. Yeah, they're yeah they have changed a little bit since we got outside. Did you notice that the the horses that they have also have like uh, ape hanger like bike handles on them? Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't notice that. In the morning, Thor and Buzz cut Galaxina down. And they escape on this one last motorcycle that has like a little sidecar sidecar on it. And <laughs> they go, don't shoot. You might hit the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, so the motorcycle gang chases them on horses. 
So it's like a battle between motors and horses, <laughs> like technology versus horse. And they're still all one person, right? Well, that's a big payoff. <laughs> Wasn't there a scene like that in like a Schwarzenegger movie? Well, it was John Wick just recently where he's being chased down by motorcycles. Oh, yeah. I remember that. But I think there's one where Arnold is on a horse and he gets into an elevator and goes to the top of a building. True, true Lies. Is it True Lies? Mm-hmm. And there's a motorcycle chasing him, I think. Yeah. Well, he's after a guy who's on a motorcycle. Oh, he's chasing the guy on the motorcycle. Yeah. See, that's much cooler. I think that's the way Donald Kaufman's script was going to. Yeah. I think it was the horse chasing Because he jumps from the one building to the other with the motorcycle. And he, <laughs> and and he, he jumps the horse. Well, he tries it with the horse, but the horse stops. Oh, okay. And, 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 Arnold he, goes flying over it. He goes flying over it, but it, it pulls him back up, and he then scolds the horse because he's supposed to be a police horse. <laughs> it's like... That's funny. You're letting him get away. Uh, I need to rewatch True Lies. That's a great movie. They uh, they continue their chase, and the motorcycle seems to run out of fuel right in front of the spaceship. So they manage to get inside, but the motorcycle cult uh, just surrounds the bike. They're just happy to have their bike back. They yeah. don't care about the escaped prisoner anymore. As they're entering the ship, the guys joke that they forgot to pick that pizza up for Captain Butt. They realize that Ordric from Mordric is on board and thanks them for retrieving the blue star from the motorcycle cult. Uh, the entire crew is thrown in the Rock Eater's prison cell with him. They encourage him to eat the bars, but Rock Eaters don't eat bars. Bar Eaters eat bars. Rock Eaters eat rocks. <laughs> Galaxina feels sorry for the rock monster because everyone's picking on him. And he offers to show her his etchings. I don't know what that means. <laughs> and we see a commercial for a liquor store that starts with like, Do you have a drinking problem? If you do, then call Happy Hour Spirits, the liquor store chain that's there to serve you. We're, we're always here when you <laughs> oh need my us. God. I laughed so hard at that joke. <laughs> it's the best joke of the movie. <laughs> uh, no, it's the pickle one, but it's, <laughs> the pickle one is the joke. Ordrick gets so focused on the, the broadcast of a late night sci-fi movie from the 1900s, the one that we described earlier, another Crown International release, that he doesn't notice the mouth baby sneaking up on him um thor wishes aloud that galaxina had a vagina and she explains that she saw one available for order in the catalog so like there's a catalog for parts that she can order um, even though you can't touch them because they would get shocked right well, I, th- I assume that that is just a mode that you can adjust on your on your various models well, somehow she disabled it but uh, Captain Butt's mouth baby sneaks up on Ordric and attacks him. And then the mouth baby brings the keys to the cell to let everyone escape. Through the bars of the cell, he kisses Captain Butt very long and hard on the mouth. And everyone else laughs about it. But he's like, "What are you? why did he do that? And he's like, I think he thinks you're his mom. And he's like, who kisses his mother like that? <laughs> and then the, car- the creature actually starts calling him mama. Yeah. Mama. And then we cut to all of them. Uh, back in the sort of like the main the bridge, bridge yeah. area of the ship and uh ordric is dead and <laughs> uh, the rock eater just picks up the blue star and eats it but they're talking about it like while he's doing it they're like mm. oh well now we have this we can take it to earth right now and we can make a bunch of money let's just do that and they're like yeah, and there's plenty more where that came from. And then Galaxina like, it's a good thing. And she points at the rock eater who hasn't even put it completely in his mouth yet. And no one tries to stop him from eating this thing. So it's like, oh, well, 54 more years to mm-hmm. go back to this planet. 
Um, I guess they're still there, so they can go yeah. get it like today. But still, it seemed weird that no one was trying to get it away from him if this is such an important thing that everybody's fighting over. Captain Butt leaves a very long and rambling captain's log on the way back to Earth, or maybe Altar 1 to get another rock. But uh, he's talking about, like, he's confused about where he is, and he thinks he's he's the mayor of Philadelphia or something. Yeah. <laughs> he's talking about pizza, and um, it's very strange. It's all going on over the As the credits. the credits are rolling, yeah. He's just improvising stuff, and that's, uh, that's where we end the film. Writer-director William Sachs. I didn't recognize any of his other directing credits. He wrote and produced a sequel to the 1980 film Exterminator for Golan Globus. The first one's not a Golan Globus film, but the sequel is. He's also a producer on the original Leprechaun movie with Warwick Davis and Jennifer Aniston. Um, our DP here was Dean Kundi, yeah, who I think did a phenomenal job. Uh, this was a, a beautiful Blu-ray print, and the, I mean, the transfer was obviously great, but I think it was very competently lit. Mm-hmm. Everything looked really good the whole way through it. I mean, the visual effects were very poor, but that's that was more a reflection of the budget. But I think just in terms of the actual filmmaking it was it was very well done um we had him earlier this year on the fog and uh, i think we said then but he works regularly with you know zemeckis top tier john carpenter spielberg zemeckis on all their best stuff steven mocked here was sergeant thor he was heavy eagle and mountain men he was ll in legend of galgameth <laughs> and uh apparently he was a regular character david keeler on cagney and lacy which i neglected to mention in our mountain men episode Avery Schreiber was Captain Cornelius Butt, who does eventually refer to himself as Corny Butt in that last captain's log. Um, he played the tax assessor in Robin Hood Men in Tights. He's also the voice of Beanie the Bison on Animaniacs, who I think is a friend of Slappy's. Yeah, I, 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 it's like I recognize all the movies he's in, but I don't recognize the part. So like he also plays a peasant on a carriage in uh, Dracula Dead and Loving It. Yeah, And I'm wondering if he's the peasant who's trying to warn peter mcnichol he's like no no like he was like like shaking his jowls really intensely like <laughs> telling him not to go to the castle that sounds right tad harino here was sam woe he plays chew fat lip and kung pao enter the fist which is a great movie he's also grandfather in teenage mutant ninja turtles 3 which is i think the one that takes place in feudal japan yeah that's the um, time travel one uh very appropriately he plays confucius in bill and ted's bogus journey because he's spouting all the confucian confucius isms in this film um he plays gum b in surf ninjas who is i think one of the bad guys henchmen and uh, he'll be back as yamamoto in oh god book two this year chopper credited here as stephen morrill is played by an actor who according to imdb his name is aesop aquarian yeah that's an amazing name aesop <laughs> aquarian is the coolest name he plays an asian pirate in at world's end the pirates of the caribbean film he's one of the the pirates on the ship that's mostly asian pirates he plays a rabbi in don't mess with the zohan and john benjamin has a van he's a village elder in iron man 3 he played an old pioneer in buster scruggs and uh he's a former member of the manson family according to a 2018 interview He's a character actor who moved to Spawn Ranch to join the family shortly after Manson's 1969 arrest. And he says that during the trial, one of the girls approached him and said, we've got to get Charlie out. We want you to go to the courthouse and kill the judge. At that point, Aquarian said he felt his jaw drop. You want me to do what? You want me to kill the judge? 
That'll show them we're serious and we'll get Charlie out. Are you for real? And she said, yeah. He says, my first thought was, what the hell am I doing here? I don't think that was the next day that I left, but it could have been. So that was his last note worth mentioning, I think. Angelo Rosito played the monster that came out of the egg and Captain Butt's mouth. Um, He plays Angelino in Todd Browning's Freaks. He's part of the chorus of One of Us, One of Us. He's Seymour Spider on HR Puff and Stuff. He plays a fruit seller later this year in Can't Stop the Music. Well, and he must have been really older guy. Really old when he was in this. If he was also Freaks in was Freaks. thirty two, so this is forty eight years later. And uh, he played Master of Master Blaster in Beyond Thunderdome. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. Um, he's also Angelo in Other Side of the World, which was Orson Welles's direct to Netflix feature from twenty eighteen. Peter Shrum played Fat Daddy. Um, this was his first film, but he plays Lloyd in Terminator 2. That's the big dude with the denim vest and the shotgun that's trying to get uh, trying to get Arnold to leave. And uh, he also did the voice of Sewer Nose de Bergerac on Rescue Rangers. Yeah. <laughs> along with four <laughs> other characters. I just really liked that character name. Um, Susan Kiger was the blue girl here. We just had her as Susie in Happy Hooker Goes to Hollywood. Michael D. Castle was the claw salesman. That's the guy who was uh, was trying to sell us the, the giant metal claws, the atomic-powered metal claws. He wrote and played the CSI character in Don't Answer the Phone, the other crowned international <laughs> picture. So um, that's fun. And then George E. Mather was the horn man. That's the guy who uh, who introduced the opera singer early in the film. He did visual effects on A New Hope and Poltergeist 2. He was a production manager on Big Trouble in Little China, and he had an associate producer credit on this film. Did you guys have any other notes you wanted to mention? Uh, well, uh, you didn't bring up Maurice, played by Lionel Mark Smith. I didn't know any other credits from him. Uh, he is a re- David Mamet regular. Oh, okay. Uh, so things like Spartan, State in Maine, Spanish Prisoner. I saw that uh, he was one of the cops in Magnolia, but I, I couldn't tell which yeah. one. Uh so that's just, I just wanted to bring up that he was in a lot of David Mamet stuff. Yeah. Obviously, Mamet likes him. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so this is kind of a this is this is like a reach. Okay. So get ready for get ready for some story here. Um, so Galaxina is a robot, an android, right? Presumably, uh, not presumably she is, uh, played by Dorothy R. Stratton. Now there's an android in an anime series that I love called called the Big O, and play, and her name is R Dorothy. Okay. And I'm wondering if I tried to look it up, I couldn't find any any information on it. But uh, the fact that it's Dorothy R played Galaxina in Android, and R, R Dorothy, Dorothy is an android in this other series. I would say that's not impossible. Uh, but the the R initial is like an Isaac Asimov thing where he had a some of his stories like the androids always have the first initial r to establish that they are a robot, robot. okay um another weird anime thing is uh this series i like called erica seven uh that has an old wise man who just lives in the bowels of the ship yeah and just gives like like proverbs and his name's <laughs> sam Woe. no no his name's gonzi but but just like this whole concept of like this old like Asian man in in a ragtag group of spaceship people. What are the uh, chances of an Asian guy in an anime show? 
just 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 the nature of though that because because he's just always deep somewhere in, deep inside the ship and is always just like very calm and yeah. I don't know. It, it, again, like I said, these were reaches. No, that makes but, sense. But this is what I thought of while watching this. Yeah, I I really did enjoy this. I I kept I think turning to you like in the first like twenty minutes like this is really weird. I really like this. <laughs> like this is a great movie to like put on during a party and just like leave on for people to react to as weird stuff happens. Yeah, I was thoroughly amused by this movie. I honestly feel like if you gave me the choice of only ever watching this movie again and only ever watching Spaceballs again, I would choose this. Uh, <laughs> I, I really, really liked this movie. I And Captain Butt kills me. <laughs> I did not really like this movie. I feel my biggest criticism is that they didn't push it hard enough. Like they, they, I would love to see the script and yeah. see what didn't make it into the movie. I, I really wanted like a lost skeleton of Cadavera level of wackiness of parody um because they did a lot of stuff and there was like a lot of like fun things in there uh but i think they could have they could have just really gone further yeah no i i would and i did see for sale online the script for the movie that was the one that was written by the director but um i don't know if it includes scenes that weren't shot but i was tempted (laughs) i didn't order it and it wasn't going to get here in time for this episode anyway but maybe eventually I'll do it and we'll do a follow-up episode and cover that. Thumbs up. Thumbs way up for me. It's a thumbs up for me. You have to admit it's a thumbs up. <laughs> I, Even I if you didn't like it. I don't it. know. I don't know. No, I, I'll tell I, you if you need what, information. What, 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 hang on. What is your criteria for thumbs up? Because for me, it's like, would I tell somebody else to watch this movie because I think they would enjoy it? And my answer is yes. I think people would enjoy watching this movie. Uh, then then I'm going to have to give it a down. Oh. You yeah. don't think people would enjoy it? <laughs> I don't think. I think anyone besides no one the, I know would the enjoy three it. of us would get anything out of this movie. I loved it. It was so wonderful. That The pickle joke. The pickle joke by itself <laughs> is just worth the price of admission. Letterboxd. What are we thinking? I can already feel myself going overboard here. I need to rein myself in. Scale it back a bit. So I'm I'm pretty high up. I think I'm in the top third here of my movies, maybe. The third on your list, you said? No, in the top third of the <laughs> movies that we've reviewed thus far. I put it just above Carney and just below Simon. Okay. Um, It's higher for me. This is actually going 13, 14th on my list. Uh, this is going just below Humanoids from the Deep, but above the Gong Show movie for me. What about you, Richard? What are you thinking? Uh, I am going to put it just below Carney and just above Die Laughing. All right. Well, I think that's everything for this one. If you guys have any thoughts you'd like to share with us, we are Vintage Video Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Or as I've said before, you can find each of our full movie rankings for the year. We can also be found at VintageVideoPodcast.com. Please consider rating us on iTunes to help people find the show. And if you take the time to leave us a review, we will thank you personally in an upcoming episode. If you're feeling especially generous, you can support the show through Patreon.com slash VintageVideoPodcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time when we'll be discussing Night of the Juggler, which IMDb describes like so. A tough New York City ex-cop relentlessly searches for his kidnapped teenage daughter, whom is held by a twisted psycho after mistaking her for the daughter of a wealthy businessman. Isn't this also a MacGyver episode? 
yeah, yeah. That's like exactly Hearts of Steel or something like that. Yeah, because it's, it's the girl. It's Blossom. Yeah, Blossom was the with her daughter friend. of the businessman, but her right. friend got kidnapped on yeah. accident. Um, we leave you now with the trailer for Night of the Juggler. Daddy's little girl is missing. How are you gonna find her? Somebody took her. Somebody's gonna pay. You wanna see your kid alive again? Daddy will make sure of that. Daddy! You're giving me a million bucks, you'll never see your kid again. James Brolin, a broadcast premiere. Night of the Juggler. 